Hey everyone, welcome to Women's Work, Rising, Leading, and Thriving, produced by the Institute for Women, Wellness, and Work at Ursuline College. I'm Gina Messina, and this is a podcast that empowers women to recognize ourselves as the leaders we've been waiting for. It is my great pleasure to be talking today with Jacqueline Ionen, trademark attorney, entrepreneur, and I might say a budding TikTok star. Jacqueline has been a leader at heart from childhood and has paved her way to success with a commitment to honor her values, chase her dreams, and always pay it forward. Jacqueline, it is just such a pleasure to talk with you. You're, you know, another amazing woman doing amazing things in the world. And I am fascinated by the work you're doing focused on trademark and business law. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what drew you into this field. What made you decide to go to law school and then pursue a specialization in trademark? Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you. So I had always been probably what was called like bossy when I was a little girl. I I always liked to run the show, run my life, whatever. I liked to sort of be in charge and and be thinking about things on a higher level. So law school was always appealing. I wasn't sure that I was going to do that. I thought maybe I could go corporate world also. And so I didn't major in like political science. I didn't go the really obvious route. I actually majored in advertising and I loved it. I I loved that it was this melding of business and creative work. I loved that you got to be in the corporate world. And I loved that it was probably going to take me to the city and, and all of that. And I loved that it was about messaging and communication. And that there was also this sort of like sexy aspect to it, that like these were things that were seen on TV, that they were real, they were brands that you knew about that you could connect with. And and it was, it was fun. So I ended up going straight through to law school, which also wasn't necessarily what I had wanted to do after working really hard to sort of be a top candidate in the advertising track, but it's what made sense at the time. So that's what I did. And trademark law was always sort of right at the top of my list of, of areas of law that seemed appealing. It was really IP trademark and entertainment. But coming from an advertising background with a focus on branding and marketing and understanding that world, trademark law was sort of this natural progression. So it was an opportunity still, again, to have your hands in something creative as well, not just have it all be super dry law, (laughs) but to, to be able to work with people who are building businesses and to sort of have this creative aspect of analyzing the language or the design of a logo and determining whether it's protectable. It just felt like the right blend of everything that I was passionate about and interested in and skilled at. That's outstanding. Uh, And I love the way you talk about the field of marketing and advertising and then in melding that with law. I always joke that I'm in the humanities and and yet I do a lot of entrepreneurial things and I, I never really understood the creative aspect until later on in my life. But 
you're right. It's it's a really fun business and is sexy in those ways that you talked about. And those brands that we know that we really connect to, it's because of the creativity and the messaging and what they they make us feel. They tell us a story and you're 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 pursuing this path that allows you to be a part of that. And I think that's really amazing. When I was interning at a really large advertising agency, I was dying to get on like the Staples account because they had the the button that you pressed. And I right now it's I'm blanking on what they the button actually said. Yeah. But it was just like so recognizable and so and I was such a fan of such good advertising and branding. And it just made me want to be a part of that team and work on that. I think we we grow up with brands, we we get attached to them, we sort of understand them. And um, it's now sort of a privilege to be able to work with businesses at the very early stages of that and help them get that protection so they can get there and they can build it. That's great. So I have to backtrack for a moment because you said I am someone that would have been called bossy, right? And it made me giggle because I think so many of us know what it's like to be called bossy. And it's really not being bossy. It's being assertive and knowing what you want. And those are all such good things. And we often discourage that in young girls and in adult women. We (laughs) use different language for women than we do for men all the time when we're talking about those kinds of things and we see it and experience it. So I wonder when you said talking, you know, you were called bossy. How did that impact you? And how does it impact you today? Like, do you still feel that struggle, that that gender challenge of being a woman who is successful and commands presence and is doing all of these amazing things? How do you how do you manage that? Yeah. So as far as how it impacted me, I don't know that I felt any negative impact of it as a child. Like, I frankly don't know if I was called bossy to my face, but I definitely was a child who had ideas, had opinions. If we were in a group project, I was ready to take control and be the leader. And I felt pretty, pretty great about it growing up. I loved that side of myself. I, I was proud to be someone who took control. And I I think I have a mother who is very much like that as well, who is very assertive. And, and I think I was proud to model myself that way. As I've grown and gotten older, I think I've learned the ways of the world a little bit and probably muted that quite a bit. Um, not just professionally, but I think maybe some of those things leak over into personal life and you, you sort of learn, you have to hold back. You have to maybe be a little more, you know, not, not quite as assertive, not quite in your face. And so I think it probably started in that area and then leaked over into professional. I think I've maybe even struggled with sort of standing up for myself in professional environments, particularly with like salary negotiations and discussions, like asking for what I deserved. It was always scary to do that and to to be, particularly when you were asking it from men, which was mostly the case, but to sort of make a case for yourself. And I had some negative experiences with doing that, with trying to stand up for myself and trying to ask for what I deserved. And even when I was showing all the facts and information. It often wasn't always productive. So yeah, I think as a woman, I've, I've sort of seen how, hmm. all right, I want to stop for a sec. I don't know what I'm saying. No, 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 no. You're doing great. You're doing great. 
I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So we'll back up. So what has it been like for you as a woman, like experiencing those gender challenges when people judge you for being really assertive? I think that we've all seen it in, in a number of ways. And I, I don't like to talk politics at all, especially in our current culture. But I always go back to Sarah Palin and Hillary Clinton and the fact that, you know, Hillary Clinton was always called a bitch and that Sarah Palin was really called like a ditz. And that I remember very clearly that Sarah Palin, the first interview question she received as the vice presidential candidate was were her breasts real? Those are certainly things men don't have to contend with, right? And so as women in powerful positions, we have these different kinds of struggles. And how do you, how do you deal with that going from a childhood where you knew like, I've got this, like I'm the leader, I can do this, I can knock it out to now being, you know, an adult in a very kind of gendered challenged world and being faced with those struggles. Like, how do you respond to them and how do you manage that? And what are your feelings about it? Sure. Okay. So I think truly most of the experiences, the negative experiences that I've had with regard to sort of gender, I don't want to call it discrimination, but noticing distinctions based on gender have been around asking for what I'm worth and, and then sort of being held to sometimes a different standard to prove it. I, in, in one of the firms that I was at, I had to fight really hard to get a very small amount of money increase. And I was basically made to feel like the experience that I came in with, you know, wasn't worth what I was asking for. And when I was leaving, I connected with a new hire that they had just brought on who was a man and who had literally no experience whatsoever. None. Just had done like one small role at his at his law school. And he was being paid double what I was being paid. Oh my God. So that was probably like the first time it ever smacked me in the face. And I was like, okay, this, this is real. Like this happens. And yeah, I think the way that I deal with it in that case, I was already leaving. So I I had already sort of experienced what I was going to experience there. and, And I had made a choice to go somewhere else and get a different kind of experience for, you know, professional reasons for things that I was looking for. And the way that I think I've dealt with it on a whole is just sort of knowing myself and knowing that the way people behave and the way people treat others is really about them and not about you. Mm -hmm. And really holding that close to my heart, I guess. And just, just knowing my worth, like getting back to that little girl who wasn't afraid of anything and, you know, had all her opinions and ideas and was proud of them. I think that gets beaten out of you a little bit in the, in the adult world. So I think just sort of remembering that and, um, yeah. And yeah, 
think so. <laughs> no, that's that's really that's really a, a wonderful answer, and I appreciate you sharing that because I, I know that I can I can think of so many women that I've had similar conversations with about you know pay equity and and different kinds of struggles, and I wonder has this played at all into your decision to go into law practice for yourself and and really say like this is my value this is what i know my work is worth and i am going to ensure that i receive that yeah it's definitely part of it there were there were a lot of factors i had always been you know entrepreneurial so it was going into my own practice was something that had always been pushed by other people in my life to me like they always recommended that i do they always suggested i do it if i was ever you know, dealing with something difficult. It was always like, you're capable of this. Why don't you just do it? And for me, I knew I had a lot to learn still. So it was important to me to get that education from other attorneys who've been doing it longer, who, who are really experts in the area. I really wanted the education before doing it. I was definitely tired of, of asking for appropriate pay and not receiving it. I also was I don't know how to say this nicely. (laughs) No, it's okay. Just say it. Just say it. You, in law, you deal with a lot of personalities and I'm very capable of dealing with a lot of personalities, but it wears on you. And yeah, I, I didn't want to have that stress anymore. I, and, and I have never been less stressed than I have been running my own practice. Like there are different stressors. There's where are my clients going to come from? How do I keep on top of all this administrative work as well as the practice itself? Do I have to do TikToks to be known and and in the world? Like, do I have to create dancing videos? Like there's different stressors, but there's not the stress of people screaming in an office or unrealistic expectations or responses that are disproportionate to an issue or things like that. And I'm, I'm highly sensitive. So all of that really affected my mental and frankly, physical health. So going out on my own and being an adult and making my own decisions about when work can get done and, and when there's time for play, which obviously there's little time for play when you're running your own business, but just really being able to make those decisions for myself and not have them pushed upon me by someone else's expectations and and scheduling has been the greatest privilege and the greatest gift. And I have never looked back. So (laughs) that is outstanding and kudos to you because it is so scary. It's a scary thought to think, yeah, where are my clients going to come from and how am I going to do this? And am I going to be able to support myself? And especially in New York city where you're at, but I wanted to say, first of all, you said that you said that very nicely. You said that so nicely. And I have to tell you, like, as a woman who's been in like supervisory positions, director positions, whatever, I have never understood why people like a supervisor would yell at an employee or why anybody would even think that's acceptable or professional behavior. Like, I just don't understand that. It's just, it's infuriating to me and such a lack of respect of another human being when thinking about, you know, a a lack of emotional intelligence. Like, and if you want people to perform, 
and do well for your company. I don't think that is how you get there. I just, I had to put my two cents on on that, but I think it's so courageous of you to say, okay, these are the things I'm not going to put up with. These are the things that I want to do and what I can manage and what I know I can do well. And I'm going to choose to do it. Like it's, it's very, very courageous in making that kind of decision. And just from our conversation today, like I, it's so clear to me that you're a go-getter, that you have a plan, you know what you want, and you decide that you're going to do it. And I wonder if you would mind sharing with us a little bit about how you plan things out for yourself and how you, you create that structure and make decisions. And then really, I think, reward yourself for it. I think it's like the right, right thing to say, to acknowledge your accomplishments. Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all. So I am definitely a planner. Like I think, again, to go back to when I was little, I think I wanted to have my agenda. I wanted to have a lot of things to write in there that I had to do and take care of. I wanted to schedule everything. And even in law school, like I used to make intricate schedules of my whole day, including like when I was going to shower, just to make sure everything was going to fit in. But I think as I've experienced life and and as I've gone through my career, I've seen that some of the best opportunities and, and the best experiences have come out of left field and were not planned for. I, I spent a summer as a legal assistant at a television networks, and it was something that I got very last minute. I was going to go be a theater director at a, at a sleepaway camp. That was my plan. I was going to do that. It was like my last summer before law school. And that was what I was going to do. And at the very last minute, I decided not to do it. And I was like, okay, what now? So I went to a temp agency in the city and happened to get this, this great opportunity and, you know, made amazing connections, learned a ton. So things like that have happened throughout my life where I've given up the plan and just seen what came my way and what the universe threw at me. And they've often been better things than I could have planned. So I frankly follow that mold a little bit in my, um, in my business. I, I do have structure. I do have things that I plan. I do, you know, block off parts of my week to do administrative stuff that otherwise would never get done. But as far as getting clients, From the start, it was very much like, if you build it, they will come. I I sort of had connections coming out of nowhere, people that I didn't even know had their own businesses on the side of their nine to five that I went to college with that were reaching out. Yeah, and it's, or, or really organic connections, of course, some networking, but I, the clients have sort of just flowed in, which was very different from what I expected. I thought that was going to be the biggest part of my business was working hard to get clients. And I've, I've been really happy that I haven't had to grind the way that I anticipated having to. You know, we were talking about how you, you plan and how you were saying how some things are just a real surprise, right. And things come together, but also that you have a process. So, you know, maybe talking, moving into talking a little bit about your five-year plan, your list that you make that you highlight. And like one of the things that I know was a big goal for you was moving to New York City, that you love the city, you love theater, and you really wanted to be there. And again, kudos to you, a woman in New York City 
on your own, running your law practice, entrepreneur, making it happen. So impressive. So impressive. But you've you've created these goals for yourself, that being one of them. And you you set these five-year terms or 10-year terms and keep track of that. So can you talk a little bit about that and why you have found that so helpful? Yeah. So it honestly, I have a terrible memory. It's something that has not served me as an attorney or in law school at all, but I am very organized because of it. And I even in my personal life, keep records of a lot of things because I just won't remember otherwise. So I think that's probably where creating this list of goals came from was just like, I had them, they were in my head and I wanted them to be on paper. So I didn't forget them. So yeah, moving to New York city for more than a temporary summer was a big goal of mine. And, you know, after I was in the city for three years and or so, and I got to highlight that off, it was a really proud, exciting moment for me that like I'd sort of made it. But interestingly, as you mentioned, I was always really passionate about theater and Broadway. So something else on my list was working on or with Broadway in some form. And I didn't know if that might be as like a talent agent or if it might be as an attorney being sort of in-house counsel somewhere. But as it turned out, my very first job out of law school was like a quasi business legal role at a theater production company. When I was working there, sort of said like, this was a goal of mine. I just expected it would happen 20 years down the line, not like my first job. So I'm a strong believer that I guess in manifestation of sorts, where you really set goals for yourself and are intentional about and honor them, right? Like really say, this is, this is what I want in my heart. And so I'm going to put it down on paper and, and we'll see what happens. And I'm glad to say I've been able to highlight a lot of those goals. And even now I, there's this company that makes these, like, I guess they're a modern different type of vision board that come with like a bunch of cards and you can switch them out and there's pictures and there's phrases and words and things. And I use that now and I look at it every once in a while. It's not, you know, in my face every day. But then I'll go back and I'll be like, yeah, all, all this, it happened. Like, so I, I really think there's power in being intentional, setting those intentions, knowing yourself really well, and just putting it out there and letting your path take you there. That's awesome. That's awesome. I always say like, I have a to-do list every day. Um, it never gets done. I always have to carry it over, but I've never done like a, lo- a long-term plan. And that's like, a, you know, something I'm really taking away from this conversation that I'm going to have to try. So I really, really appreciate that. The, the last thing I want to ask you is we are in this new economy. So many women have a side hustle. They're participating in the gig economy. They're taking on entrepreneurship and finding new ways to support themselves and to live, uh, you know, to do work that they're really passionate about, that, that connects with their values. And I find that just so inspiring. And you are certainly one of those women. And so I wonder, like, what is your advice for women who are getting out there and putting it on the line and, and taking control of their futures as far as tips on entrepreneurship, but also tips on trademarking, because that is something that we all need to be thinking about. If you're selling a product, if you're selling a particular service, right, and you want to make sure that you're protected, like what are the kinds of things that we should be focused on? Sure. So my first tip is just 
take the leap, but make sure it's something that you're incredibly passionate about because it's, it's hard work and it's long hours. I mean, I think there's that TikTok going around. That's like, I didn't want to work nine to five anymore. So now I work 24 seven and it's it's true. Like the work is always there. Like you said, the to-do list gets carried over and carried over. It's always there. There's always more you could be doing. So don't be afraid to take the leap because once you do, you'll be surprised how readily things happen and, and, or quickly things happen, but make sure you, you love it because it's a lot of work. (laughs) And yeah, around trademarking, the first tip is you want to make sure that you have a brand that is protectable and for it to be protectable, it has to be distinct. So that means both distinct from whatever else is out there in the marketplace and already a registered trademark, as well as distinct with regard to your goods or services that you're offering. So a mark that straight up describes what you're doing is not something you're going to be able to protect. Marks that are just names, like first or last names, you're not going to be able to protect that. So those are all things you, so like for me, for my practice, I own in law, I can't really get a registration for I own in law unless I practice for years and years and years and become very, um, people know it as, as a mark that is, is related to what I'm offering, but just straight off the bat, I can't get I own in law as a trademark. I can get my logo and I can get my logo even with the words I own in law under it. But I, if it's recognized as a name, I wouldn't be able to get that as a registered trademark. So that if you are creating your brand and you're right at the beginning, you want to come up with something a little unusual, something that either is a regular word, but doesn't describe your goods and services, like the way Apple is used for computers and, and you know, everything that Apple does, <laughs> but you couldn't use Apple to describe apples and get it as a registered mark because other people need to use it. So you just want to make sure you have a distinct brand and you want to try and get your application in as soon as possible, even before you're using it, as long as you're going to use it within about three years from that time, because the USPTO will give you priority and will refuse other applications that come after yours based on yours without you having to spend money or do anything. So you want to get in there as soon as possible. You want to talk to a trademark attorney, see if your mark is protectable and and get it protected as soon as you can. So I just want to say, if anybody is thinking about doing trademarking, Jacqueline is the person to reach out to because you're so super knowledgeable and you're doing this, this great work and really helping people to protect their brands and to really think about these kinds of things. And it's so important right now in this specific economy, you know, it's something we all need to be thinking about. And I appreciate the work you're doing. And I appreciate the way that you're supporting women entrepreneurs. I know you work with all entrepreneurs, but that you really have a passion for working with women. And this has just been a wonderful conversation. And I want to wrap up with a question. And it's an unusual question, but just for fun, you know, if you were a brand, what would it be? Like if you were a trademark, a brand, like, is there one that you think that's out there that you would associate with you? I know you love the Staples button. I can't remember what that was either, but I, I do remember that. said, yeah. Oh, it's, that was easy. That was easy. That was that's easy. It was. it was an easy button. Yeah. So there, all those years later, even though it escaped my brain for a little bit, I still remember it. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. If I this know is this the is a really I, would, I would be, but it's probably the brand I was like the biggest fangirl of when I was in advertising and, and in that in studying advertising as an undergrad. I was obsessed with the Aflac doc. I thought it was the smartest thing ever that this, you know, insurance company that sort of hadn't been on the map before, hadn't been known by anyone, became a household word. And um, I was also a big fangirl of the the women-led agency that created that that campaign. So yeah, that's I don't know that I would be the Affleck duck, but it, it's it's one of my favorites of all time. It's unique, a women-led, and I think that your name's going to be a household name. So <laughs> now, have you made a TikTok video? Oh my God, yes. Tons of TikToks. <laughs> <gasps> really? Okay, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not. And so I'm going to have to get the app and go look. I'm going to go look for it. Okay, yeah. Well, my TikToks are very, a lot of them are on my Instagram as well. So you can, you don't have to get TikTok. You can see them there. Oh, good. Good. That is fantastic. That's fantastic. So Jacqueline, I cannot thank you enough. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you. And I like encourage anyone check out Jacqueline's social links, check out her website. It's all available for you on on the Institute's website under uh, podcast guests. So please check that out. And thank you again. This has been outstanding. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. Thanks for listening in today. And to learn more about our guests, visit our website at womenwellnesswork.ursuline.edu. Don't forget to subscribe to Women's Work on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.